I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Foddleters. Happy Sunday or happy whatever day it is when you're listening. This week's guest is someone that I had on my wish list when I very first started the podcast. I've always found them super inspiring and someone that I really look up to and find really funny, interesting and just generally fab. (laughs) Um, And she kindly agreed to come on and we managed to get to record. And today I'm talking to Sarah Pascoe, all things sex, power, money, female sexuality, Instagram, social media, beauty standards, pubes, you name it, we talk about it and I'm really excited for you to listen and really think you should go and listen to Sarah's podcast too, uh, which is also called Sex, Power, Money, along with her new book. Eek. Please enjoy and please do rate, review and subscribe. Bye. Hi guys and welcome to Adulting. Today I'm joined by Sarah Pascoe. Hello, I'm Sarah Pascoe. I'm a comedian. You are lots more than a comedian. And I'm, and I'm an adult, I think. I'm 38. <laughs> oh, you look so great. But I'm, I'm not at an age where I doubt anymore. They're like, oh no, I'm definitely, I can. I could legally drive if I passed a test. <laughs> oh my God, I haven't passed my test either. Well, I, I think it's an odd London thing. But in my head, that's such a grown-up thing. But even though 17-year-olds do it. Yeah, I'm like, wow, grown-up 17-year-olds. But even sometimes when I got offered wine in a lunch meeting, I think, oh, can I have that? Yeah, do you ever get that The still? daytime drinking does it. Because also, you know, it's a different kind of drunk. Yeah. And you have like a 6pm hangover. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. Yeah. Um. So... Apart from your comedy, you also are a very established author now, Mm. which I guess is a really interesting thing for you to have come into. So I read Animal, the autobiography of a female body. And then I did it for my book club, which is like a monthly thing I run. And I absolutely loved it. And also at the time, I just started going out with my boyfriend and it made me think that we weren't in love and it was all just chemical reactions (sighs) for about a week. But but I think there's all these interesting stages to be thinking about like the chemicals under writing kind of pair bonding. Because one of the times it's interesting is is when you've broken up with someone and you miss them. it can be quite a good time to go, oh, no, my body misses this or it thinks that. And actually, intellectually, I know I've made a healthy decision or I know I can recover. But falling in love, in a way, you just want to go, no, this is this is magic. Yeah. It is because I've met this incredible person and it is the one. <laughs> and having someone go like, it's not that. You'll feel this again. All relationships break down. It's not maybe the best time. It literally because it was so funny because we were dating. We'd gone to school together and I was like, I don't think this is a good idea anyway. Mm. And then I was reading that and I was like, obviously, mm. this is just really convenient. You live nearby. We know each other quite quite yes, well. <laughs> we yeah. get each other's smells. Mm. So it's fine. It has lasted since yeah. then, which How is How long have we been together? Like, Four years? No, two years. years. Two years, oh, okay. But you're just That's adding nice. on time. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what drove you to write Animals and then subsequently we'll come on to Sex and well, Money? It, first of all, it was with Animal, it, I was just really, really interested. I was really interested that culturally everyone, everyone was talking about relationships. Um, and obviously you have things like about, I guess you have like the, the kind of heteronormative of relationships so everyone was talking about relationships as if it was a man and a woman and they were then going to have biological children um, 
but also this idea that any relationship I didn't the language I kept noticing was this idea of failure and I've I, I'm what you would call a serial monogamist in that I'm not polyamorous I like one person at a time mm. and um I, I and fidelity is quite important to me but um it's interesting my my parents who had broken up when I was a child um had continued to kind of had relationships and I think relationships that were um not monogamous really? as in like they both uh <laughs> dabbled in various kinds of infidelities. Right. And um, and I realised that there was something really natural about it, that it wasn't wrong. And in all of my relationships, I, I'd never had a switch that had made me only fancy them. I'd never stopped being attracted. Mm. To, and, and also, if I, especially with acting, if you go away to work, I kept falling in love with men that I was working with. Like every time, within three weeks, I was besotted with someone and dreaming about them and... And I and 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 I always blamed the relationships. I thought, oh, it's because I haven't met the right person. And then you, I got to this stage, and, and and I did. It was while I was falling mad in love with a comedian called John that I then realised I really want to understand this cycle yeah. because I feel like it's a mating cycle. So I'd been reading kind of pop science books, and I'd read um, Sex at Dawn, which is kind of it's not. Hugely scientific. The science has been really disproven, but it's a really interesting angle on human sexuality, which is just about female sexuality and multi-partnering in our evolution. And essentially, it's about how what we think culturally as monogamy doesn't exist in nature. Mm. There's always these kind of extra pair copulations, is what they call them. And then I was like, oh, that sounds very right. <laughs> and I wanted to find out more. And then I thought, when I was researching, oh, I just want everyone to know it. I want it to be information. I wish that this had been sex education because yeah. I wouldn't have grown up thinking, number one, if a relationship doesn't last, it's a failure. But also um, that if you fancy somebody else, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your relationship. And that you can also, if we don't keep culturally telling people you're broken if you fancy other people, then you don't have to be hugely hurt if your partner goes, oh, God, I've got such a crush on someone at work. I feel like Because the minute you tell your partner, it, that, that can be such a huge part of intimacy yeah. that you, you feel you can be honest. And it's so lonely to hide your feelings from the person you're closest to. I think it's so interesting you said that you're falling in love with people at work because one of the things it sounds like the Strictly curse, mm. and my boyfriend and I discussed this as well, it's like yeah. obviously you're going to fall in love with someone if you're dancing that intimately with them it's every all the single touch, day. all of that oxytocin. And, yeah. I, and I think... I think it's probably quite a universal experience. There's this thing we first meet someone, and I always find I'm not instantly attracted to anyone. Yeah. So I'll think a man is gross, and I always imagine that was strictly for the first week. I'll be like, oh, he's weird. Yeah. He's from Portugal. He's a bit greasy. And by week two and a half, I'll be like getting ready in the morning. Like you know that thing, like you put your mascara on for them. You're just yeah. going like da, 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 thinking about them. Going, should I wear a skirt or trousers today to rehearsals? <laughs> oh, my bum looks nice in these leggings. And of course, and then it would you would go through such a stage of like. You see how they hold each other after mm. they've danced. Like, oh, well done you. And you think within three weeks, they are in a zone that's only the two of them doing this self-supporting thing. And like, you're amazing and you can get there. And the idea of a teacher, yeah, kind of instructing you yeah. while then you're pretending to love each other. I A couple of times in plays when I was in like a, once in a TV show when you have to pretend to be in love with someone. After a couple of days of rehearsal, my, my body was like, well, I just love them now then. Yeah. And I was like, you don't. It's like, my body's like, but I do. Cause it's like placebo love and it yeah, feels the same. Because you're staring them in the eyes and willing you to be yeah. there. Yeah. And I think it's interesting what you say about attraction as well, because I think that's entirely true. I think this idea that you only have eyes for someone, as you say, is really redundant because it, it creates, also it's really controlling. Like Obviously, mm. I think the idea of being in a relationship is the choice every time to pick them, even though you might think he's really sexy or... yeah definitely sleep with him yes. I just won't because I've picked you well, that's it I think um yeah when you have like an in a, a group and then another outside like a club 
It's a little bit like if it was a members club. Every time you tell someone they can't join, the members club becomes more exclusive <laughs> and stronger. And that's the same with kind of monogamy. Yeah. Every time you do choose, especially if that's part of a process of, of realising, because relationships, there's, do you love Esther Perel? Do you oh, just, do yeah. you know, so I need to look into her because yeah. I do this thing on my Instagram where I say, get, send me your confessions. Yes. And everyone said that they've been cheating, like hundreds yeah. of people. And I was like, this is so fascinating. I didn't want to pass judgment, but it was everywhere. It was women mm. sleeping with their married bosses mm. at work. And it was just constant. And I was like, really fascinated about what the drive to infidelity is it clearly signals there's a flaw either a flaw with monogamy or I was wondering if the secrecy of having an illicit affair which is by nature secretive yeah. allows women to explore their sexual desires yeah. more or something I think sometimes also it can make you then more attractive to your partner as well you have this really guilt thing of like oh I'm gonna lose oh, yeah. them if they found out so actually you come home and you're like so lovely to them because you're so glad especially if you feel a little bit guilty and then you end up having like an, an Sometimes I think, if, so if you have nothing on the side, if you're being a very kind of like straight, there's no one, no distractions, that's when sometimes you can be a little bit like, not taking your partner for granted, yeah. but you will just be like, oh, shut up. Yeah. Like you can, whereas when you're, I think if you're cheating on them, you're always just like, okay, baby. <laughs> um, I think it's really common. I don't think it's because I think it's because we misunderstand monogamy. So with birds, they thought they were monogamous. They they're all pair bonding. They they raise their chicks together. They they thought that, about all these birds. They were like they mate for life. They stay yeah. together. They're so romantic. And then when they watched them more, they realised that a female bird would very often like. There's this example of these birds that they thought were the most monogamous in nature, and they're tiny little and they're eating berries from a bush. And they're like, oh, that's so sweet. And then they saw the female. She went round the bush, fucked another guy, <laughs> came back round the bush again, carried on eating berries with her partner. And the reason is you have this for both male and females in nature, there's a benefit. So kind of if you need to pair bond to raise your young, you stay in a couple, but you get a, mm. a spread of genes if you have a little bit of extra sex on the side. So for both males and females, there is an evolutionary benefit. And then we have a thing where actually maybe if both people in a couple are cheating, they could have an open relationship, but we we weren't brought up thinking that was a healthy or positive yeah. Thing. And also we have like morality. We think, oh, ugh, sex people. Even when people talk about like swinging. I had a row with someone the other day because they were saying <laughs> about um, doggers. And I was like, and then we're talking about in a really derogatory way. And I was like, it's not my kink at all. But the thrill for them, I said, they're not hurt. It's consensual yeah. people. And the thrill is they might get caught. Like that's not... They're not bad it's people. Not, They're not no. ruining. They were like, this on the M25 because it's going to encourage dogging. I went, okay, well, what's wrong with that? It's just people enjoying <laughs> sex lives. Uh, yeah. You and Yvonne Harari have given me the best party stories because one of my favourite things is he, I think I think it's in his book that he talks about it with the, the set of monkeys, the female monkeys. Oh, yeah. But you also talk about how my favourite thing about sex, make, women making noise during oh, sex. Oh, yes. And the sperm selection. Can you tell yeah. that to me? Because honestly, I am so fun at oh, parties. So, so, so it's really interesting. <laughs> so the thing about... Um, the um, vocalizations during sex is that they did a cross-cultural study because often they because it's one of those things that people blamed porn as in like uh, so uh, women now are all thought to just be kind of imitating something that they've seen or that they assume their partner wants and um, but it's the opposite way around in porn um, female performers are often very very vocal um, and and then they found in studies that it speeds up male uh, orgasm and so they then the then theory was that women do it to make men speed up but and they do if ever so it's it's actually completely sometimes uh, disassociated from enjoyment of sex yeah but it's sometimes just like a oh yeah come on and actually what you're saying is come on then <laughs> like, and in the book i think you <coughs> talked about how 
the reason for this was we always view women as the chaste and virginal ones yeah. who literally lay back and think of England mm. and don't enjoy sex. But actually, another point to this was they would signal to, to other, other men yes. around. So yes. they get him to come really quickly. Yeah. He'd then fall asleep. Falls asleep, which means that they don't... So the reason, one of the theories is that that's why male, the male body gets sleepy after sex is that then the female is free to leave. As in, she, he won't fight any other suitors and she's kind of free to go. And if she has been very vocal, it means, especially if, yeah, if you're living in a hunter-gatherer society or obviously in kind of primordial, ancient situations living outdoors, it means that someone nearby, a male might go, oh, hang on, there's a woman. Oh, there's a sexy woman nearby. Yeah. And then that leads to more sexual partners and yes. then spam... Sperm competition. I'm yes. I love my favourite story. Yes, and it yeah. makes sense because me and all my girlfriend, every woman you've ever met is like, I can have more sex than my male partner can because, yes. as you say, they just fall asleep. And there has yeah. to be, surely, like most things have an evolutionary reason. Yes, and it's also really interesting because they, they discovered it ages ago that basically women's arousal state, so they do it on graphs. So women become aroused, so that's the little the graph, the little, the little line goes upwards, and then it plateaus. It can stay up there for a really long time and orgasm doesn't make it drop down. Right. Whereas the reason with male, the male body that the orgasm has to, um, so quickly, is that they need this period. Because otherwise, if their penis stayed erect, then it would drag the sperm out that they've just inserted. So they have this thing where their penis gets all kind of small straight away and becomes very sensitive. And they have, yeah, refractory period, that's what it's called. So we can't, can't touch some of them, yeah. t- tickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and it's different for all men. And But the idea is that if you then had sex straight away again or carried on, then you'd be putting sperm in, but you'd also be dragging it out with your oh, penis. Oh, fascinating. So you have to kind of leave it in there to do its business. <laughs> that is so interesting. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that book because I think it is really empowering as well as women because it kind of factually strips it back and goes, no, that slut-shaming for one, is just not a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. Yeah. And not just because culturally it's so archaic and redundant, mm. but because biologically your body wants you to be shagging. But that's but that's also why, this is the thing about, um, and I know not everyone is male and female and, and, and it doesn't have like kind of heterosexual relationships, but th- this is where we're at kind of odds because, of course, the patriarchy or men would have this, straight men in particular, would have this deep-seated want to control female sexuality because women shagging other people is to their detriment. Yeah. So that's the point, is that that's why it exists. It's not because... It's not like religion. Or yeah. It, it, or those things were all imposed on top of this thing of just men being very uncomfortable because they might be in a committed relationship giving all their resources to a partner who is cuckolding them. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And then they might end up raising a baby that wasn't theirs exactly. or something. Exactly, yeah. So I guess you were saying it's all like based in kind of fat. But then the argument I always think about mm. is just because something has a natural aspect to mm. it where it's based in fact because I think that's an argument that like evangelicals use sometimes oh, yes. they're like oh well it has come it is, from nature yes. and therefore we will yeah. implement it so now so for me it's always the exact opposite if understanding it makes me go like oh I see yeah there we go. That I feel then that's an even better reason to go. You're so silly. Yeah. Like we don't think yeah. of ourselves as apes anymore. We don't exactly. go to the toilet outside. <laughs> yeah. Like we have all of these things. So, but understanding where it comes from, like oh, I see. Now we can all forgive ourselves if we have those reactions to things. Yeah. And sometimes you can't help having a reaction. What yeah. was people's reaction to your book? Like everyone around. Mm. I know that you speak about your mum's really open yeah. about sex. I find that so funny because I was yeah. brought up by a really prudish Catholic oh, really? mum who never. She talks about it now. Yeah. A bit too much actually. Yeah. But when I was little nothing nothing, yeah um i think i found it really confronting at the time as a child (laughs) and then but then i think it's really molded me and it was very has been very freeing as an adult like i wasn't i didn't ever feel like i had been politicized but i realized my mum the way that my mum brought me up really was i didn't realize that she was 
so extraordinary mm. until I kind of got a little bit older. And then I was like, oh, wow, like... She was just so... I was always treated like an adult. But my mom, my mum's whole thing with me was, like, that she let me dress myself from 18 months. She just wouldn't row with me. Aww. So I just had such freedom. And also, obviously, dressed terribly. <laughs> <laughs> like, at school, they used to... The joke was that I'd got dressed in the dark. Aww. But because my mum... I just didn't have any conven- conventional things, so... I would put a skirt on over dungarees because I wanted to wear yeah. it because I didn't just didn't have an adult who said, don't. But I think yeah. that's a really... I think we're moving towards that with parenting. Yes, I'm yeah. nowhere near having kids, but I find parenting so fascinating to the point mm. where I'm actually slightly obsessed. Mm. Even I remember you talking about... Sorry, I've listened to everything yeah. you've done. On Dolly Alderton's love stories, oh, yeah. you said... I'm so scared that if I have a daughter, I'll talk to her about sex so much that when she goes to have sex, yeah, she'll think of I'm me. It, yeah. And that's exactly kind of where I'm at when I, yeah. whenever I envision, if I ever do end up having kids, mm. that I'll be like, right, drugs, sex, masturbate, yes. what's next on yeah. the dinner table? And they'll be like, oh my God, mum, stop. That's the thing. So I really believe why I think that children should be so educated and supported and have the information at age-appropriate ages, um, at age-appropriate stages, I mean, sometimes it shouldn't come from a parent. They yeah. should know they can ask a parent. I was I, I was talk, talking to someone the other day, and her son had been shown a bestiality video at school, and he's nine, and um, and he'd come home very upset, and then in the bath kind of had a chat with his mum about it was a woman and a, a dog. And what, a, fr- a peer, not the school head. Sc- no, well, no, yeah, it was a school <laughs> assembly, yeah. The syllabus now is really weird. In PSHG. Yeah. Um, no, a boy at school... On his phone, had shown it to him, and I and I just thought, it, what I think, obviously, of course, that would be a really difficult thing to compute at that age. Yeah. But I thought, oh, it's how amazing that he thought he could go home and ask mm. his mum about it. And I think that 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 thing is so important. But do you want your mum giving you all the information? Probably no. Yeah. You'd want a trained professional. Did you think you grew up with less sexual shame because your mum brought you up like that? Mm. I definitely, definitely, and I didn't realise that this was a rare or special thing was repeatedly told that my sexual needs were about pleasure and that sex Mm. and love weren't connected. That's amazing. It's really amazing. And I didn't realise that wasn't... My mum used to say about... My mum asked about sex education and she always said, they don't talk to you about love and Mm. and that that should be part of it. And so so it wasn't just sex, it was the emotional side of it as well. Because we were... um, When I was growing up... In fact, because I've been listening to everything you've done on another episode of... um, What's the one, uh, Sarah Millican's podcast again? Uh, the Standard Issue podcast. Yeah, yeah, you were saying, and I really related to this as well, about when you were younger, like, if you... So if you got on a bed with someone, mm. you'd probably have to give them a handjob. And yeah. I, when I was 16, that was the thing, like, don't get in bed with him, you'll have to have sex yeah. with him. That yeah. was just normal. And it yeah. wasn't about your pleasure. Mm. It was just, you put yourself in that situation, deal with it, yes. and then also you might get such in the next day. Yeah. Everyone will think they're a hero. Mm. And I find that really fascinating, because now, then, looking forward to thinking how I would talk to my children about sex yeah I would be interested to say like you always think oh it's two people who fall in love have sex actually no I think I'd want to be like so you can have sex with someone that you fancy and then you can fall in and like yeah I I would want it to be really judged by I think the language all around losing virginity is going Mm. to change or is changing and and also what we tell because girls are always told that it's going to kind of hurt their first time but kind of get through it you'll like it eventually and um rather than the whole thing about sex should be like oh my gosh, like how it feels to be so aroused, like wait for those feelings. And it might be that you really fancy that person, but they need to do things to you to make you feel really aroused. Or, But if you don't, but that idea of like pushing through, Mm. like, no, don't do that. Wait until your body's like, there's something in, um, it's in one of those, oh, I tell you, it's in Naomi Wolf's book, The Vagina, and she goes to a man who's like a, um, 
what do you call it? What do they call it? Like a, not a nuni, an unoni. <laughs> you know, what's the, the name that they have, the spiritual name for the vagina? Do you know oh, what I mean? I have no idea. Oh, it's I'm, terrible. I'm it's terrible desperate that... to say punani, but I know, I know it's not. No, but, no, but, no, but, no, but it's from the same derivative as that. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, anyway, so let's say it's unani massage. It's, okay. it's a word like that. Yeah. So unani massage. And this this man, so he he's in he's in Kentish Town and he massages with oils. <laughs> right. Your, your, your labia, um, your, your vulva and um, your vagina. And his theory is that when a vagina is ready to be penetrated, it sucks you in. You don't... Penetration... Wow. The, 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 there's always control from the vagina. And I think anyone who has a vagina will understand... Has been that aroused and goes, oh yeah, there's a huge spectrum. <laughs> there's a point... There's these points that you can have consenting sex that are so... Many stages before mm. that point of arousal and if the way we spoke about sex and penetration and and foreplay was all about if people were always waiting for that point and then going now I'm ready right. wouldn't that be different right from the beginning of exploring the sexuality entirely when we were taught at school it wasn't about I never knew really that sex would be good and even it probably wasn't until about like three years ago <laughs> like yes, I really hadn't yeah. had good sex and yeah. I didn't understand it was always about their pleasure mm. I wasn't but the worst thing was I wasn't even expecting it to be good it wasn't yeah. like oh it just happened to be bad yeah it was wasn't a prerequisite that I was anticipating was going to happen yeah. because in school you're just taught this has happened it's all about their ejaculation mm. their arousal yes. and, and you're right that idea that you're probably going to bleed and it's probably going to hurt that mm. sounds a lot like rape yes which is yeah. not great it's, it's not great because it just takes female pleasure out of the equation mm. which is another way which is like non non-intentionally controlling female sexuality because the most terrifying thing would be a woman being in control of her own sexuality going I'm not aroused yeah well, this, <laughs> or, or, or I am so I'm going to follow that now this yeah. brings us on I guess to your latest book which mm. I listened to as an audiobook mm. and did it in like a day lol Sex Power Money mm. which I guess following on from animals is kind of the perfect thing because animals is debunking myths and talking about what love and sex mm. really is but then how is that applied in today's society and yeah. constructed mm. is a really fascinating breakdown and there was loads of things that I actually found slightly confronting so for instance sex workers work is something mm. which I bosh out on the yeah. daily yeah. and then you kind of challenge that a little bit in the book and you say you know it's not always that simple yes. as much as that seems so progressive yeah so it's the thing there's some thought exercises you can do so one of them was the thing where um so if sex work is work, then it can be in the job centre. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so there's certain things you can do, and you, it, you can invert it and go, it's not quite as simple, what, which is not to undermine any of the rights of sex workers and the things that they're asking for and should have, including kind of de decriminalisation. But to just say it's work then means, oh, well, that means that people who don't have jobs should do that, yeah. which isn't true. Or there's an example I was thinking about um, in restaurants where... In, we have this idea that if you can't pay, then you have to go and do the washing up. Mm. But if sex work is work, then you could also just go and give the manager a blowjob. And none of us would think that was okay. Because yeah. we do think that sexual contact that you're not consenting to is damaging. So if we have those two things at once, like, oh, if you're raped, so someone just pay you and then it was a job? Yeah. Like, so, so, it, so it is much more complicated when it comes to sex because, oh, I mean, especially from... It, there are people who call, call themselves survivors yeah. Of, of prostitution or have been prostituted um, because it has been so incredibly damaging and traumatic. And so it's having all of those things in your head at once about it. Yeah. And it goes, each individual or whatever whatever has happened to them or whatever they chose to do, there, there may or may not be ramifications. Totally. Because I think I've seen a bit, you see sometimes not so much anymore, but people going, oh, I feel so sorry for people who work in the red light. It's really, yes. I want to help them. And it's like, yeah. no, because again, that's stripping them away of agency again. You don't know why someone's entered into that. 
And it's yes. it's really complex to try and like pick apart. Well, it's interesting with the sympathy thing, because if we restructure society, and I know most people don't want to, but the thing is, if we restructure society to the point that we kind of eradicate poverty or have a really great safety net, we wouldn't have to ever worry yeah. about anyone because we'd go, well, that must be a choice because so we... Um, uh, we don't have a huge amount of illegal immigrants mm. who are being um, who are vulnerable to manipulation. We don't have this going on. There are centres like uh, um, no, no one would be having to do that because they'd be homeless otherwise. Because we have this brilliant system where we don't want people to be homeless. Yeah, you're just so right. And I think I think this is you again. I can't remember saying about how basically if you look at the old fashioned structures of marriage, like when mm. a woman enters into it, yeah. and she's basically handed over by her father who yes. owns her to her new owner, yeah. her husband, yeah. to engage in sexual acts to bring about baby. Mm. Is that not ownership and prostitution just yes. by a different name? Yeah. And a lot of people do enter into relationships and stay in them. I think it's changing now, but I definitely think like women of an older generation would have been having really unenjoyable sex purely because of the contract of their marriage. Well, that's the thing. So it was. It, I, I, it's in my lifetime that rape became illegal in yeah. marriage. And I remember my mum making a big fuss about it. Um and, and obviously, that's only in this country. There's other countries where it's still you, you still it's you can't rape your wife because you own her. Like the whole point of getting married was just literally a ticket going. You can have yeah. sex now whenever you like. And it used to be culturally a lot of the jokes about men and marriage and not having enough sex. They're like Whoa, about it was like, but it's mine. Why can't I have yeah. it? Like my di- my dinner's on the table. I want sex in the like is yeah um, the entitlement of it. But then I the, the flip side of that is. Because women didn't have majority of women didn't have financial agency. The flip side of it is that men were expected to financially provide, yeah. which is as bullshit as someone being expected to sexually provide. Yes. And again, it was a structural problem where everyone, I think, I'm not saying that no one was ever happy. I don't want you to get an angry email from a 70 year old going, actually, it was good <laughs> in the old days. But yeah. you're right, because the thing is with the patriarchy, like men and women suffer. I think we get that, like, sometimes when you talk about the negative aspects of the patriarchy, men are like, oh no, because we don't have mm. a great. It's like, yeah, you're also imposed with these ridiculous yes. rules where you've got yeah. to be the breadwinner who's completely soulless, mindless, yes. and just wants to shag. Yeah. And it, that's just as damaging. It's so, so damaging. And the whole thing about that men have been told for such a long time about not communicating, not good with their feelings, like, oh great, they can read a map, but they're not allowed to cry. It's like, yeah. I know what I'd rather be able to do. They're, all, they're, they're imprisoned <laughs> by all of the same things. I think there's so much bullshit for men. And actually, that's with sex, power, money. So much of the empathy exercises for me were to go, okay, but how would I feel if I was my age and a man? And I think the things I'd be furious about is like what some men's rights activists mm. talk about. I think the idea of like men proposing or, um, yeah, there's uh, lots of the stuff around marriage is really shit. The whole, the whole like spending... A, however months it is three months of your wages on a yeah. wedding ring that would make me sick if yeah. I was a straight man I would just be like any bitch who wants a diamond like that kind of like no man this is how you show you love me I would be so furious do you know what's funny though, I actually do quite like a big diamond ring and my boyfriend said to me interestingly he was like well the re- one of the things why years ago like a ring would have been a good sign is because you're basically making investments. So you're saying a marriage yes. is a is yeah. an economic contract. It is. If anything it's two else, things. it shows that they have money. Yeah. But it also shows I'm not taking this lightly. Yeah. And I'm investing in you. Yes. So I do quite want quite a big one. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, but oh, I know, I know. It's, but but it's an it's an odd thing that it's based on. And also people, it doesn't also, it just doesn't mean anything. No, I know. Also, another thing in that empathy exercise, Mm. I've done the same thing thinking about what we were talking about earlier in terms of boys who are my age, men, Mm. I should say. When they were 16, when they were maybe entering into non-consensual, mm. which they didn't know was non-consensual yeah. sex, and I don't hate them because we're brought up in exactly the same way. So yeah. I, think, I think that's where it gets complex because often the shouting will be like, well, you did that. 
I'm not saying all these politicians mm. are coming out doing awful things. I mean, like, boys. Yeah. I think, well, this is why the way that the law works is you have an, the mental element and you have the physical act. So I think, is it possible to rape someone without knowing it? Yes. As, yes. In, as in, the act is rape. Um, for the person who has been raped, it yes. is rape. But I also absolutely allow within it, can, can it, and this is me, this is not me saying this about, or yeah. I'm so careful, I'm not saying about all rapes, I'm so, especially with younger people who are uneducated or, I mean, uneducated about sex. Would it be possible to carry on with a thing that you think is maybe awkward or yeah. this or they've gone very quiet or you think you're supposed to get them really drunk because your older exactly. brother said, get them pissed and they'll let you do anything, whatever. So I do think it's possible to do it, but we don't send people to prison unless it's a mental element. If you if you kill someone accidentally, yeah. you don't go to prison because yeah. it was an accident. I agree. Yeah. And I think it's it just shows where that we're lacking in education, as you say, Because yeah, they're all specific, avoidable rapes. Yeah. All of those people... Uh, it wasn't I, malicious. W- ...wouldn't be rapists if they'd had more information. Yeah, totally. And I think boys and men are getting much better... Because they understand that. And I think even this kind of step, but the social lubricant of alcohol being a thing, which I think thankfully is coming to the fore and we're all talking about mm. it more. And I drink in every like social situation yeah. I go to, I'm the first one to be like, half a Prosecco, thanks. Yeah. And actually, it is really problematic. It's like we don't actually possess the ability to just meet people, unless it's a podcast, but actually mm. it's the best way to meet yeah. people yeah. because there's a, a chat. It's still a lubricant thing because yes. you have to talk yeah. and you can't leave until yeah. it's done. And I think that that's another issue with like younger people and sex is that a lot of your first sex encounters you might not even be entirely sober and I feel like that mm. must change your arousal and attraction and stuff well also it's, it's um disinhibiting and actually mm. which is so the prefrontal cortex when you're very aroused um kind of has less I'm putting this very crudely and obviously I'm not a brain scientist but as I understand it as you become more aroused the prefrontal cortex which is the most civilized part of your brain the civilizing part has less blood flow less going on in it which makes you slightly more animal and it's great for insects because it makes that you do grosser things that you wouldn't do if you weren't turned on things that would be very weird if you think like oh god that's so yeah um so um, but alcohol does the same kind of thing. So it, so because, so because for that reason, the two things obviously go easily hand in hand because you can shortcut yeah. to that kind of more aroused, kind of less like, yeah, let's do this or, or with that person. I guess it just speeds it all up, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. And while so while we're on the topic of, I guess, young sex and maybe losing virginity and things, I wanted to talk about T.I., the rapper, yesterday. Oh, yes. Literally, this article just came out saying that he takes his daughter to the doctors to check that her hymen's still in check. Yeah. And as of the age of 18, it's still in check. And that yeah. he's okay with his 15-year-old son being sexually active. Yeah. And I think for me, that is... I mean, I read it and I, mm. I actually didn't know what to do. I read it on the Daily Mail as well. It's yeah. even worse. Double wang. Yeah. Um, and it is sex, power and money. It's a man who, who Owns, raps yeah. prolifically around sex mm. and really explicit promiscuity. Yeah. And then owning his daughter's sexuality, and yeah, then having the and freak. controlling it, which it's is which so is so um, freaky. It's, it's very very animal. This because I mean animal in the sense of because what it is is his genes will go through his son and his daughter, but um, I guess with the son spreading his seed everywhere. Mm. If you think about it in that sense, any children, the more children that his son has, the better because his genes are spread right. everywhere. And through his daughter, he wants to control the suitor because they will obviously be part of the family. It's a thing like maternity certainty. That they yeah. know that it will be, it's going to be half her children, it's going to be his genes. It's really disgusting. It's really disgusting. I mean, it does happen in places in the world. Yeah. So again, we have a kind of, we're Cultural. culturally affronted by it. 
I only find out who rappers are when they do something disgusting. I've never heard of this T.I. guy. I'd never heard about DJ Khaled until he refused to go really? down on his wife. Oh, my God, yeah. So this is, I feel like, this is when I find out about rappers but because they do something horrific. Can I tell you what else he said? He also said about his wife that he owns half her, inverted commas, mm. sex box, mm. and he owns the inside part of it. Mm. And then also that with his daughter, he thought it's better to keep her virgin as well because no one's going to want to sleep with her because all of that extra effort. I mean, I get, yeah. I completely, I, this is why I love the book mm. so much because you really objectively go well taking your emotional reaction out of things mm. what is it objectively yes. what, and yeah. you do it really fascinating actually when you talk about young girls wearing short shorts mm. because I am one person where if a man looks at me and actually you said this I literally yes. I'm like oh yeah. I like feel like I'm being attacked I'm like fuck off yeah. I get so angry it's about it it's not for you no, I'm not I'm like, shocked yeah. yeah but then you're right because um like obviously if you see someone who's attractive mm. you should be allowed to feel because the repression of emotion is surely like what creates incels and that is yes. more problematic yeah. than so or, I think, or, yeah and the self-hatred and the shame like I know a lot of men because of their relationship with pornography have um, lonely lives as in they have people who care about them who they can't talk to or they mm. feel like they're a bad person and um, so there has to be a middle ground where people are allowed to wear whatever they like but the other side of it is it's a bodily reaction and you just go, okay, fine, my body likes that body. Get yes. on with the day. It's not about me as a person. Yeah. Yeah, it's really weird mm. to contend with because you do feel so pro- protective over... I don't know, I hate this idea. So interestingly, and I, and I mm. really want to talk to you about this actually, weirdly, I was doing English at uni ended up being a fitness influencer, which is yeah. basically, the more you look into it, really sexualised videos and photos of yourself doing workouts and stuff. Yeah. And I saw that that was my gateway into feminism. I was like, I'm so empowered because yeah. one, I was doing exercise that made me muscly, which I thought was like an absolute liberating thing to yes, do because I yeah. always had body issues. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'm finally doing something for mm. me and it's not about being skinny. So that was step one. Mm. Step two was, oh, I'm posting pictures of my body, which is me taking my sexual liberation, all these things. Yeah. Kind of come full circle now and I'm like, I oh, know it's maybe not that helpful, but it was a really interesting means to get into it. But on the flip side of it it's I I don't know with feminism at the minute and you talk about this all the time especially with social media feminism and things Mm. that are going on some do you not think some things are going so polemical one way that it's drawing back the conversation do I need to I I, I think that's what I just think that's how conversations go I I think um so number one I believe in like bloodless revolutions as in you don't have to people stormed the Bastille which sounds scary and if you're on the wrong side of it you got your head chopped off and I just I feel like so um, but what happens in other kind of revolutions um, um, is like I think it's like a tide that goes in and out and that's mm. what a conversation is so a couple of years ago um, um, Chloe I think her name's Chloe Moritz. Do yeah. You know who I mean? Yeah, so I might have got her name slightly wrong. But she criticised Kim Kardashian for taking her clothes off all the time. And I thought it's so interesting because what Chloe is actually angry about in society is how she is treated, mm. how she's maybe sexualised, uh, all these kind of things. That is not Kim Kardashian's fault. Kim Kardashian is um, a, a billionaire, I believe, from selling her erotic capital, which is something that it, it's really tricky. But the, the same... <laughs> The reason that people... She's selling a thing you want to be in control of in exactly the same way she is. As in you want it to be ignored or left alone. You want to be respected. And the thing we have to change isn't her body or how she sells her body. And it's... 
but we wrongly attack each other. But I don't think it's becoming more polemical. I think it's always happened. Right. You're right. Do you know what it is? It's duality, and I, I've, yeah. I've got the point better now, which I'll say. So I think what it is is, and I remember t- saying this as well, so when I did that thing and I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore, I was like, actually, it's internalised misogyny telling me that I've got to cover up, but it's also my internalised misogyny telling me that I need to be objectified. Well, it's one, in both, both instances, in both, no, what's interesting is you're worried about judgment. So there's this, um, Instagram is so interesting because we can't help but judge each other. And when we, ju- when we judge each other, what we put out, we are always trying not to be the thing that we kind of saw through someone else. When we see other people mm. who clearly, or are saying, I like my body, here's a picture, we, we might, we maybe, is it confidence? We go, oh, should you be that confident? Or if, if you're confident, why aren't I confident? Or yeah. even going like, oh, your needs to be... Like is, is so palpable as this horrible website, and I, it's horrible. And it's also funny called Girls with Irrelevant Captions. Do you follow and it? It sounds great. Well, it's really great. Apart from occasionally, it makes me really sad because the person. That's, so it started when there was the first Californian wildfires, right. and lots of bikini models were posting pictures of themselves near where there was now a fire going, heart going out, but they were wearing a thong, and. Um, and so that's the joke. It's like, this is you in a thong. It doesn't show any kind of yeah. solidarity or kindness. But that person, I honestly believe, did feel bad. Yeah. And was just going, here's a picture of me. Yeah. But also, also <laughs> I've seen other people do it. Well, they'll go, tits get likes. I think we should all donate to ovarian cancer because yeah. I lost my mum last year. And so it's that kind of thing. You go... The reason is they're getting you to engage or they just judge it with how many people like but a post and it's about ovarian cancer. This so, is literally yeah. so true. So ironically, that post I p- picture I posted yesterday, I don't know if I can talk about this, but I'm yeah. going to. It was a campaign with Audible about this new book that's out. Oh, yeah. And I'd taken this photo in Bali and it wasn't to me overly sexualized. I'm literally lying on the beach with the book on my phone yeah. in a bikini. And yeah. they went, no, we don't want that. You've got this other one, which was a carousel. It was meant to be yeah. a second image. Yeah. They're like, we want to use this one. I was like, you know one is going to like that yeah. because it's not very good quality and mm. I'm not in it and I know. Oh, if you're not in it, you I don't want them it, to yeah. read the caption. Yeah. So let me put this bikini picture up. It's mm. going to be way better for your sales. Yes. They didn't. My average likes are like 5,000 likes. Yeah. That picture got 260 likes. And I'm not an idiot. So on the one hand, sex sells and it's problematic. But, no, but also, I want you to listen but also, to me. But the thing about saying sex sells, which is, I know it's the slogan, but actually people like looking at bodies. Yeah. And that's really old. Yeah. And we especially like looking at women's, women's bodies. Body. I love it. I'm, yeah. obs- I'm slightly no, so, obsessed. So that's it. So it's not, it's not, it doesn't, so, and that's, I'm not gay. I mean, but I love looking at women so, so I. much. So, so I, that's how I know it's not always sexual. Yeah. It's just, I like the shape of them. I like looking, of course I do like personal comparisons and all of those things. Um, so, it, so it's more complicated. And that's the other thing about faces. We, Love pe- we love faces. We love, from being a tiny baby, we love faces. So of course, mm. an Instagram picture of someone's big eyes close up. Yeah, we will click on that and like that. Um, I've had the same thing. If I post a picture of like my dog in the woods, even though it'd be a far more beautiful photograph, yeah. I will get likes in the hundreds rather than the thousands. Yeah. Whereas I could just be like in my bed, going like about to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be beautiful. It doesn't have to show anything. Yeah. So, um, so this is where the girls with the relevant captions is sometimes a bit upsetting. But sometimes they are hilarious because someone will have a very, very busty, kind of very high thong. So like they've got no pubes. It's waxed so high. They're talking about like their granddad's death and how much they miss him. And so it's the discorrelation of them yeah. going like, but it's like, oh, what? So if you're sexy, you're not allowed emotions or... Because I think that's something that we've also... This is what we, when you say internalised misogyny. Mm. Oh, hang on. Sexual is 2D. How dare you have a dead yeah. granddad? Or how dare you be sexy at the same... Are you not allowed to have this both is, things? This is the exact thing that I went through and I ended up calling it my existential crisis of hotness because I've gone from doing that thing where 
basically the reason I stopped really talking about fitness is because people could only see me mm. as a fitness influence when actually I wasn't I just finished an English degree and mm. I'd never been into fitness before in my life it was I wanted to be a journalist and accidentally people followed and they couldn't yeah. they couldn't separate me yeah. from being ha- having abs that yes. was that, no that's who you are yeah. so that's just, what I follow you for yeah it's interesting isn't it because I, I follow like authors and things and some of them if they like post a picture of their cat someone will go like I'm not here for cats yeah I know it's the entitlement with, with, being, with being a comedian um, if you, uh, including because I did a podcast to go along my books I wanted to interview people who yeah. had experience rather than talking on anyone's behalf and um, a lot of the feedback was well it wasn't funny it's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, wouldn't it have been awful if I'd been listening to a sex worker like trying to get a gag in rather well, than listening? How did you, how did you find, because I was listening, or oh, maybe Dawn mm. Porter was sharing, she obviously was an amazing um, journalist and she used to do documentaries, but yeah. now I think people follow her on Instagram and find mm. her really funny. And people were commenting about how they couldn't believe that her books were so well written because oh. people look at women and you do one thing, you might like wearing certain clothes mm. and immediately it strips you of any other kind of personality yes. traits or academia or anything that you yes. might have. Yeah, and I, I think there is a thing and I'm sure young men get it as well but maybe they don't if they're from a certain kind of well-educated, you expected but I do think people... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Expect you to be stupid mm. or, a bit, or a, bit, a bit, they feel a bit superior to you. Yeah. yeah, it's much in the same way, I guess, that when someone is in a bigger body, people expect them to be kinder. It's just general yeah, preconceptions. Yeah, jolly and all that, yeah. that kind of thing, yeah. And I find that really fascinating. I think that's one of the hardest things I find to contend with because it's this idea of toying with attractiveness or toying with trying to be attractive. I find, am I doing that because I really like playing with makeup, which I do mm, sometimes, mm. or am I doing it because I want to be objectified because of the patron, or am I doing it because... This is a social structure that tells me I need to be beautiful to be important, yeah. and I constantly, I'm really bad. I can't not think things through. But I think, but I think, I think where you'll have to find some form of consensus is that it's a combination. That sometimes it's about creativity and and self expression. Sometimes yeah. it's about attention, and that isn't always about mm. sex. Yeah, being looked at or being groomed, or you know, everyone's got like. You must have like a weird hat that you know if you leave the hat. I can't wear a hat at all because if I do, I feel like everyone's staring at me. <laughs> I love hats. But there'll be a certain day. <laughs> yeah. Where I want, it's almost like, oh, yeah, look at me. I'm wearing a beret yeah. with a dog on it. Like, <laughs> and, and it's almost like on that day, it's, it's peacocky. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And it could be all of those things. And I think it's so interesting that I was reading a book about hormones the other day and it was talking about um, the female body and shopping on your, with your ovulatory cycle. There's a part of, there's a half of our ovulatory cycle where we shop more. Wow. Yeah, because we feel so good in ourselves. Because we're just kind of shiny. I, and I was because I always think it comes from lower confidence. Like I, for me, I reckon it's decreasing progesterone that you uh, then start going little nice things. I'm still nice. Right. Yes, that's really funny. Yeah. Also, interesting about the confidence thing <coughs> because <coughs> I've always felt like if I have a face full of makeup, everyone's staring at me on the tube. Whereas mm. if I have no makeup on, I'm like no one will. You can't see me. Yeah. Interestingly, I have other friends who they're if they had no makeup on, they would be mortified and scared of going yes. out. And I think everyone has different levels of what your comfortability is. So yes. I normally wear quite loud clothes. I look mm. a bit like um, how my boyfriend dressed today, which is random. Like, and I'm really, this makes me feel more 
someone's going to look at me and be like, that's a weird outfit than if I went out yes. wearing stripy trousers and a green jumper and yeah. a yellow hat, which yeah. is funny because I think mm. we all have different levels of what's our... What's yeah, our normal? safety zone or yeah. comfort zone, of course, and we feel self-conscious. Really early on with stand-up, actually maybe it was a time, and I, maybe I hadn't even joined Instagram yet, and actually I'm very self-critical and I don't post a lot of pictures of myself, very few and far between, because my... Number one is because what happens is people make little finickety... I don't know why people are so critical in such a weird way. Like mm. When I first joined Instagram, I had a lot of men being really mean about my nostrils and my teeth and it reminded me of being at school That's like weird. how odd that you think you can say that to a stranger and they weren't like I wouldn't I would never call those people trolls because they weren't trying to make me want to kill myself right they were just being like oh you've got this or that's wonky or this is a do you think that's a power thing? Do you think it's that you're a woman who's doing quite well and they want to p- I just say think if, some, if someone's posting pictures, if your first thing is, well, you look tired. Mm, or, yeah. but, and also sometimes it was the no makeup thing. But Catherine Ryan said to me, so Catherine Ryan does both things. She's incredibly well-groomed, as in, and it's part yeah. of her brand. It's something she enjoys and it's glorious because it's something that 10 years ago women were told in comedy you couldn't do. You yeah. had to kind of basically wear a raincoat and jeans and if you were pretty, really, really try and look not pretty because no one will listen to you. Interesting. And Catherine turned up in heels said a, a beautiful like skirt and said get fucked like I'm funny so yeah. it doesn't matter what I, and um and she's expressed it so brilliantly and it has changed what female comics are expected to look like now there's a far wider mm. spectrum and um but she also said to me because I said I hate it when people ask for pictures when I don't have any makeup on and I mostly don't have makeup on unless I'm working and she said it's really important for people to see you without makeup on because she said on a TV show, you have to wear makeup. I mean, I'm not successful enough to go in and go, I'm just going to look normal on a panel show. If it, one day I'd love to do it, yeah. to just be like, yeah, I'm not I'm not a pretty flower today. I'm just a normal woman. But she said, but for anyone at home, if they only see people with makeup on all the time, yeah. they don't realise that they, when they're judging themselves, and she said, it's really important to like look lovely one day and then have a literally, your face is all pale yeah. and you see, oh, that's a tired person who needs to pluck their eyebrows. I also think it's really healthy for you because I've done, I used to be, I've weirdly grown up because my career's been on social media mm. so I've had a really weird relationship with it but now I couldn't give a shit, I'll do stories and pictures and stuff mm. but then I also will look really glam, I love being glam. Yeah. But it's really healthy for you because you know what your face looks like because yeah. when you first have a picture, have you ever had, especially professional mm. pictures and you're like, oh my God, I'm disgusting, because they, yes. they make you look awful, I don't yes. know why. Yeah. But getting used to how your face looks from every angle, I find this fascinating but, all the but time. But the trouble with photographs is that it doesn't look like how we look in the mirror, because yeah, it's reversed. it's true. So that's why we all go, well, oh, that's a monster. Yeah. That's, that's a monster <laughs> where you've just, it's, and like listening to our own voices. Yeah. From, from, I mean, I don't know how you find it with a podcast, but if you have to edit, and you're like, oh, God, I don't listen back anymore. Oh, yes, I can't, you can't. I record all of my gigs <laughs> because I have like new material and and I never listen to them. So I've got a phone full of gigs I can't listen to because I hate myself yeah. so much when I listen to myself. I love your voice, one of my most favourite voices. Oh, really? It's so nice. I don't know. I've You've got, got a really soft voice. accent. Yeah, I do have a soft accent. <laughs> I do have a soft accent. I just hate it. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, all of those things. Um, it's, it's not dysmorphia, but it's, a, but it's something else. It's um, dissonance. Yeah. You're watching or hearing yourself when it felt fine to be in it and then you get it back and like oh my god how do I ever leave the house and and also because I think if you concentrate on it this is like with the Kardashians they literally have had their whole selves adapted for screen mm. so for like so that they look and I think we expect then as the lay person because mm. of this culture of reality TV which has turned into it's interesting every, almost everyone on those massive reality TV shows mm. have created 
a, a new form of themselves. Mm. So they're literally designed to be on screen, but not really in real life. Yes. Like when you see someone's real life face, it's yeah. always beautiful. I think everyone's every face is beautiful. Yeah. Well, this is where the thing about having the work done. I'm, th- there's a few people that I've met, not like comedians, but like say like more famous people that I don't get to work with, like a Spice Girl, for instance, and because they've had work done are photographed or on TV, they look great, but yeah. in real life... Yeah. Number one, your your brain just knows when things are uncanny. Yeah. Like that thing of like, oh, something's up or something's... It just it, it, So you're almost looking to go, what is it you've done? And also people do look their age, even if they've had the work I agree. done. They look like their age with Botox. They look like their age with surgery. That thing of like, oh my God, I can't believe she's 60 or I can't believe she's 40 happens so rarely and it's always good genes. Yeah. Because they'll always be like, oh yeah, she drinks, she smokes... Or he like it's yeah. it's a different thing. Or sometimes it's just some people's faces are they have shiny personalities, mm. so they're so attractive, because, like in a really natural way. Yeah. I think so too. And I think that like the whole thing of wrinkles. I actually want to talk about pubes because oh yeah, I think you just said something about pubes. Can't remember. Oh yeah, but I find it fascinating. So loads of my friends get laser. Mm. And I adamantly, I do shave. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little strip, but yeah. I want to be able to grow it because yeah. I think if I have a daughter, mm. I want her to be able to see that you can be hairy and yes. fuck it, I might grow yeah. everything out just yes. in case. You never. I want the option. Well, I think the weird thing would be, because I, I haven't had children, but I always think, so I'm very hairy. Like, I mean, hairy in general, so I've got, I've got PCOS. And at the moment, I've just... When I first got together with my boyfriend, I was going for Brazilian waxes for the first time in my life. And actually, I really liked it. Yeah. Did, did not like having the Brazilian wax, but I kind of liked it as a process. Yeah. And um, and then about a year ago, I said to my boyfriend, I'm just going to stop now. And but, and also, <laughs> but I'm so hairy, it means like I couldn't wear a swimming costume like in a public place. Okay. Kind of, kind of, I would have to do some kind of pruning. But um. <laughs> But I keep thinking, if I did get pregnant, would I then start going for waxes? Because you'd have so many examinations. So it's not in a sexual way. Would no. I then just want, like, want to be neat or not to feel like stubbly or all these kind of things? But it is a personal decision. Did you see today, talking about Instagram, that lovely, beautiful girl from Girls? Um, do you know the one I mean? Oh, the one with the long blonde hair, the yes. British one. Yes. Love her. Can't remember so her name. She was posing and it was so funny because her caption was about when she was 15. David Bowie asked her if she if she knew where was an ashtray and she held out her hand <laughs> because she was just so... And it's a, such a funny caption. And then a man commented underneath. You know when you see a comment because the person replied yeah, yeah, to yeah. it? And he said, I just don't understand the hairy armpits thing. I get everything else, but why? <laughs> and, I don't, and I hadn't noticed, but in her picture, yeah. she's, she doesn't check, obviously doesn't do anything to her armpits. And it's what I mean about the little pernickety men. Yeah. And this person felt like he could just go like, oh, not for me. And he doesn't understand. It's like, that's it's the not whole about point. You. Yeah. And the whole point that you think, if I see a woman's armpit, a woman I don't know, she better have cleansed it of hair. Totally. And Emily Ratajkowski did a campaign. I actually think it looks like the hair was yeah. superimposed on, but it was that mm. same thing. Everyone's going, you used to be hot, and now you're not. Bear in mind, she's one of the most sexually attractive women I've she's, ever I've looked naked, and I'm turned on, yeah, and I'm not gay. She's so stunning. I can't cope yeah. her boobs. Is, I, they're ridiculous. The gift, it's I like they made a different boobs for like 20 yes. minutes. Yeah. And my boyfriend was like, what are you doing? I was like, yeah. unbelievable scenes. Yeah. Amazing. And they were like, you were hot before, but you're not now. One is if she's going to give a fuck about Pete from Scarborough, what he thinks. And two, just that they were so shocked that women's yeah. And it was the same. Nike did a campaign with yeah. a uh, model that had hairy armpits, yeah. and the audacity of men because they don't seem to think what's that they don't know. I don't. I'm, well, no, I, that's the thing because they've never seen it, and they believe women are supposed to be hairless. They are shocked. Yeah, and, they, and it's and, that, and this is the thing. If everyone is doing it, or everyone feels like it's an obligation. As in, 
men don't do it because they believe they're supposed to. And girls, from the minute it appears, it's mm. all they get rid of that because it's not supposed to be there. Rather than like, oh no, now it is. Post puberty, that's where it is. Yeah. It's there. Like, it, like it is with boys. And it's fascinating because I wonder, like, if everyone ends up getting late. So I have all these weird thoughts about, like, yes, I should have pubes for when, my, when I'm older. But maybe yeah. actually everyone will just end up getting laser from the age of 16 automatically. Well, I think, again, I think it goes in waves because I think people will have lots of pubes because their grandma doesn't have any. Yeah. I it, I think that's how fashions You're always right. work. Eyebrows. There was never a time when I was growing up. So I was... This is the 90s. There was never a point. If you'd said, oh, no, it's going to be a big thing of big eyebrows, everyone would have gone, get out, you. I'm going to be a vampire, a werewolf. Get out of this town. We're going to burning crosses. The idea that any hair on your face, no, just shave it off, wax it off, draw it in. The idea that, no, no, there's going to be big eyebrows. Honestly, supermodels are going to be famous because their eyebrows are so big. Like, on women no way yeah, no one would have believed it we used to pluck ours so that my mum literally yeah. has no eyebrows we yes. pluck them so much they yeah. won't go back of course and, now and I've got really friends like that they're now like oh I really and now they go to a beautician and have them like drawn in yeah. and you go and you just would have sworn a tiny line like one hair each in a row is what you was the ideal eyebrow it's so fascinating I don't think we'll ever lose that fascination with the female body because as you say there is some like innate fascination of it but it is also intrinsically more fascinating than a man's body. Why is that? <laughs> because they make children. And so we're talking... So, yeah, it, so I know that sounds very um, uh, essentialist, but because there are, so there are, the whole thing with the female body, so it's not just decorative. What's interesting in terms of male and female mating is that we both have sexual signifiers. Like men do have things that are they do to be attractive to mates. And a lot of them are about intelligence or humour. Yeah. But also, obviously, like, men's shoulders and being big. Like, there are there are things that um, the male does in nature to be attractive. So it's not necessarily much more female. There was a theory that I was told years and years ago that the thing with a female is that in terms of she can trick her partner to think she's lots of different women by dressing and looking different like so someone's saying like well, you can do, maybe it was Desmond Morris you can completely change how you look when your hair is up is down different kinds of outfits so and makeup true. the idea that there's something in that that suddenly looking a little bit different to your partner they're like oh hello <laughs> like and, and so you're kind of keeping them sexually yeah. interested in you which is fascinating which I don't think men can do as much but no. they can shave a beard off but like that's that, it's, that is true yeah. but then I wonder if that'll change when we move towards society with less binary prescriptions yes, of what yeah, gender looks exactly. like which would be really interesting yeah how um just on the sex pile money thing, mm. I listened to all the podcast episodes as well but I've kind of forgotten what yeah. you spoke about how long did you take to research it because it's a very thorough Book. The book, yeah. It was, a, it was a year longer than I thought it was going to take because originally I'd written Animal and it hadn't come out yet and I spoke to Faber about doing the, the exact opposite, doing one about men, calling it Manimal. And it'd just be about the male body and how we treat it in culture. And then as I started researching it, I realised that um, it was going to be a completely different kind of book. But I realised in a kind of way of like having a breakdown, not knowing what I was doing for six months, as in... I, I was going to write a chapter on pornography and sex work is what I was going to do. Yeah. So I hadn't talked about it in Animal because I thought it affects everyone. Yeah. So to talk about it in a book that's about women feels really silly and it also feels like I'll be regurgitating what feminism has already said, which I didn't quite agree with. So I thought I'll do a bit more research. And then as I did the research, I was like, oh, this is a whole book. It's not a chapter. We just go like, oh, and then porn and sex work and then the next thing. So it became... A, a different book and a lot of the research I didn't know how to consume it and also there was a point where I'd printed out a really um, helpful man at university had given me his university login so I could get free studies amazing yeah, amazing so I printed out a hundred so that all had pornography in the title and I spoke to my editor and I said I've printed out a hundred studies and she said okay 
you need to stop reading <laughs> and write a book, please. <laughs> and also I was like, but there was so much information. Yeah. But a lot of these studies were really small. But there was so much, it was really interesting the angles of people coming at. And I realized, yeah. actually, I could have just read pornography studies forever and not ever finished. <laughs> but what yeah. I, another thing that I want to ask you quickly mm. is with the sex work thing, the angle mm. is really interesting because it's, it's generally, you start off talking about straightforward um prostitution yeah. which is an old term i guess it's it's, but, it's, it's, it's some people call themselves prostitutes or prostituted um and then some people think this term is very um uh offense offen- oh yeah, yeah. derogatory yeah. so and, and and that can really vary with individuals i think it's the way that it's used is quite often yeah. yeah but then going back to the point about instagram so there's a there's a lot of different variations of feminism mm. flying around and i think all of them have credibility but one that i find interesting to listen to is Maybe because I was brought up by a mum who stopped working when she had me, lives with my dad and then doesn't have any agency now and tells me all the time how lucky I am to be this woman that's got my own job, mm. really emancipated. My, like, he, my boyfriend lives there, but I do whatever I want to mm. do. And I feel more than... I know we talk about gender inequality still existing now, but whenever I talk to my mum, I think, fuck, I've got it so good, just mm. from having so much agency. So I want all my own money. I want to pay for everything all the time, mm. even if I can't afford it as much as my boyfriend could. I've got such a weird thing about controlling yeah. money and I don't want to ever be controlled. Yeah. But this new feminist conversation coming in is about, because of the gender pay gap and gender inequality, yeah. women should be making men pay for everything. And I then, at first was like, no, I don't agree with it. But the more you read it in, and I do take in a lot because I mm. tend to be reading loads of stuff, I then think, oh my God, am I in the wrong? Which you should never let anyone think. But it's a really interesting thought play because it seems to me to be the opposite of what we've been fighting for. Yes. And that's another thing you talk yeah. about in the book. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's something that I found, it's, it's something that made me feel really old. I was suddenly like, oh, wow. So then, and also like kind of needing it to be properly explained to me. Mm. So there's, um, so Slumflower, who yeah. I just think is so important and so brilliant. And I would never, ever want to disagree with anything she says. What I want to do is understand why she's saying it. And so she was the person, it's the first time I heard someone saying, like, I am going to be provided for, and here's my reasons. And I was like, is this what we're doing now? Yeah, that's how I yes. felt, yeah. And, 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 but, I, but the reaction to that, because I think she's so amazing, wasn't like, oh, I'm in disagreement with her. It's like, I really want to understand the argument she's making. And she does have an argument. And I think this is sometimes the point about divergence without it being... Um, Coming at loggerheads. Yeah, you're not you're not arguing about it. It's just going like, oh wow, okay, so you've had this experience, and mm. you have the same, you have this information, which I also have, and we both have made different decisions about how to deal with that information. And then, and then I have all these mumsy thoughts like, well, I think you're going to find terrible men. I think the yeah. kind of men you'll end up with, if that is what you expect of them, are going to be sexist old idiots who also then feel entitled but if there's a completely different power dynamic where that isn't happening also I wonder in terms of like erotic capital the thing about erotic capital if that's what you're selling and that is essentially when you're saying I'm beautiful or I'm sexy so you pay for my dinner which is reductive to what um, some people are saying but it's virtually that is you have to realise that is a dwindling capital because as you age and and young women haven't yet so they don't know they, they think if they think they can get round that as yeah. you age you have less attractiveness because it's so connected to fertility. So yeah. even if you are beautiful, you will find yourself being of less worth. And that is the thing about erotic capitalism, it dwindles. So of course a woman in her early 20s goes, you are lucky to sit next to me or lucky to be have a dinner with me. And I have, I absolutely kind of, I'm amused by it actually. Mm. And I find it really 
titillating, but it might reinforce sexist men. But 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 just be aware, have a different capital for your forties. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And what I found with this sums up what I then had the question was: Is it because I'm a white middle class woman coming from a completely different lived experience? Yeah. And as a woman of color, she's saying that I want to be treated it, it, in a way that a lot of white women have been. Yes. And also, I think I think it's very that's that's the the the, the, the fact that she's a black woman is really integral mm. to this because. It's a little bit like when people discuss repatriation. There's, there's certain yeah. economic conversations that are completely legitimate, and as a white person, I just need to listen to it rather than go like, "No, yes. I don't think we." It's like it's a different conversation. But the problem, yeah, I completely mm. agree. But, but if I apply that style of coupling yeah. <laughs> to me, I would feel exactly how I said about when I felt like I was 16, if I got in bed with a guy, I had to mm. sleep with him. That would be the the suffocating feeling that I would get yeah. from being paid for. Yeah. Because I have this weird desire, to, I'd rather go bankrupt than someone yes. pay for me. Yeah, um, there's a thing, it only happened to me a couple of times when I was really young, like as in teenage or early 20s, where I'd go to a restaurant with a guy. I never really dated but I remember once being at one thinking, if I eat anything, I have to fuck him because yeah. I can't offer to pay. <laughs> like, I'm going to have to, like, pretend, but definitely yeah, I'm, that's fu- mad, I'm fucking this guy. Like, but in Essex, when I grew up, that was the thing you were told. Like, like if they, I think if I they, was if, taught that. There's, there's an amount of money where you have to put out. Yeah. Like, uh, um, my friend Ashling in Ireland, she was, she was told, so it wasn't about paying, it was um, her mum told it was very... Um, difficult for a man to ask you to dance so if anyone asks you to dance just kiss him <laughs> you can't say no because it, it takes so much for them to wow. so they're, they're so brave to ask you so you just have to kiss them oh my god so she spent her teens kissing boys she didn't fancy that's amazing yeah. I think I kissed a lot of boys I didn't fancy actually to be fair yeah but we were just snogging we yeah. just used to at a school disco yeah. you'd all just snog, snog each other well, we were like that at drama club it's... so like 16 <laughs> onwards and I was I used to keep a tally I'd be like so the most people I ever kissed was 36 in a night that's but, amazing but, but that's why just just walked around I just loved kissing yeah so did I yeah. it wasn't anything sexual and we'd all kiss each other and mm. we were all still friends and, and you we'd didn't all look, have you, snogged George I know you were and never you, like jealous you were like no. oh, why is Andy kissing her yeah. it's just like we used to think think of drama club I didn't kiss anyone until I was 16 and then once I did I was like oh my god yes. kissing so we used to um, we used to do like a thing where it would start off stage kissing like we'd do, we'd do it in no tongues and you'd have to look like it was really good but like literally sitting in like someone's living room just all getting off with each other I think we've done yeah. that as well pretending we do movie kissing like it's yeah. the pretense of thinking it's acting because it's like a really childish foray into yeah. sexual dalliance which is a shame because I think that's lost I also didn't have my first kiss until I was 16 mm. it was actually a really upsetting experience he basically the washing machine thing I think oh, he yes. do you remember when you were yes. told that was Zanussi, and it was a lot yeah. dribble yeah disgusting. and I was actually really and, like, and, and I remember thinking how do you inject it into someone's mouth like that like he had like <laughs> glands like, oh tsk. yeah sli- so much saliva it's yeah. really upsetting yeah. no one kisses like that do you know have you tried this with your boyfriend you may have done before because it's something we used to do at the time that a, a girl always puts her lips inside the boys that their mouth is over yours I've yeah but I but, but have you tried the opposite way around if you put your mouth around your mouth it's so, so we funny. have kissing arguments in that I always want to be on whatever side I can't remember I think he is on the top yeah there, but I always want to get and he'll just go back I and really I I'm just like I know it. I'm doing yeah. it I'm like oh. I want to have a go yeah, up there <laughs> you can move yeah. it's my turn that is yeah. really interesting yeah one of the things I said in the book because I was asking my mailing list quite a lot of questions when I was coming to topics where I didn't think I by myself had enough kind of subjective information and this girl and, and so it does still happen and she explained that I was talking about the thing about I was asking about the thing about oh has anyone ever spent money on you and you've ever felt obliged and she and her friends had been in a bar and a man had come over and bought them a bottle of champagne and then sat with them and then 
So there's three of them. And then he bought another bottle of champagne. Then he bought a third bottle of champagne. And then her friends kind of said, well, one of us is going to have to sleep <gasps> with him. And we both have boyfriends, so you have to. <gasps> and I, and I, I felt so sick and so upset for her even though I understood logically because they, yeah. they're worried about a man getting angry or feeling like, or and so it's like, oh, one of us has to. And she and she's, she was lucky because she kind of went to go home with the guy and he said, do you want to do this? And she said no. And then he was like, then why are you? And I think that's the other thing. We To circle back to this thing about unconse- unwanted sex, mm-hmm. which is obviously separate to rape, um, uh, undesired sex, there is a situation where maybe a man doesn't realise that a woman feels obligated because of things we were told yeah, growing totally. up. I think that's entirely true. And also... What this... if a man thinks that you like him? You know, the, the what I loved about that... Um, I know it's a really old reference now, but the cat, cat man, the cat woman story. Do you remember the New Yorker, that the story that... Oh, cat... Cat, um, cat, cat person, person. Cat yes. person. The thing about that oh, story is... it does make me feel sick, yeah, though. But, 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 but it's such an incredible empathy exercise because he, di- he didn't realise what was going on with her. So it created a different narrative... Mm. And I and I, th- I think imagine how confusing behaviour would seem if you had a dinner with someone which you paid for because you you watch first dates all the time and apparently that's what men are supposed to do, and then she came back to yours and you have like completely fine sex, fine, and then when you go to see her again she doesn't want to see you. That would be so hurtful. But and you yeah. don't understand. Oh, she didn't want to sleep with you. But it's yeah. that thing of being a woman where you have to be open and kind and what, like I want people that I don't like to like me because yeah. of that like really entrenched feeling that as a woman I've got to be really like mothering and lovely and everyone loves and, and really kind and mm. sometimes I just want to be a bitch like I yeah. don't know if you ever get this when so you're doing an event or something someone meets you and you're just in a really bad mood yeah. and you just wish that you could be like I'm just feeling like a bit of a bitch today yeah. but you have to be really nice yeah. and I think that men are allowed to kind of yeah. have a but bit I think, more well, this is the thing so hearing you say that out loud I would say to you not being rude to someone is totally different to faking how you feel. Because I think it's pe- perfectly fine at an event to say to someone, I'm in such a bad mood. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, that's true. And you could say that to them and then they can say, they might say, why are you in a bad mood? You go, I've got no reason to. <laughs> or I'm tired. Yeah. I just have that thing where I thought I was supposed to come here. And actually, all they're asking, people actually aren't asking often for like a show from you. But actually, a human connection is what they're asking for. Yeah, that's so true. Just, I think sometimes the it's an improv thing, like a, on Meisner thing. Like with stand up, if you try and lie to an audience about how you are, you have a terrible gig. Like if you come like, oh hey guys, how are you all doing? Like everyone's like, this is fake, and and it's stand up is supposed to be about like communing. Yeah, and it's why you can't do material that's out of date. Like you can't talk about a boyfriend if you're not with him anymore. Yeah, and you can't talk about a breakup if it's nine months later and you're fine. You have to be where In you it. are, and um, and it's really good for like if you're in a bad mood. It's not good to start negatively, but it is really good to say to an audience, hi, how are you? This weather is getting me down. Like, yeah, and it that's comes, so true. And they instantly go, to, oh, you're telling me how you actually are. Yeah, no, that is really true. I think that, I do think getting better at that and getting better mm. at not apologising, yeah. which I used to love doing for apps yes. and everything. Like, so sorry, I hope this is okay. And, yeah. and like, sorry if yeah. it was their fault as well. Yeah. I think it's all I think it's all tied into that same yeah. thing, which you have to unlearn. Yeah, of course. Sarah Millican, and I don't know if she invented it, but she was the first person I heard it from, which was, no is a sentence by itself. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. I had, this is really funny. Mm. I'm sure he won't listen to my podcast. So years ago when I did my personal training course, mm. the guy who did it 
I don't literally can't don't remember mm. him at all. Have never spoken to him since. Yeah. Didn't particularly get on with him. Yeah. Got an email the other day. Hey, hope all's going well. Um, so you're really living it up on your career. So all I need from you, if you could just make me a video about how your experience was, learning from you, all this stuff. And I was like, first of all, it took me about 20 minutes to figure out who it was from. And just the presumption that I would do it. And mm. it was like loads of things. And then I did just email back and I just went, hey, I hope you're well. I don't have time to do this. And I was like, oh my God, that's so liberating. That's cool. And that's also a perfect way to yeah. put it. But yeah. normally I would have gone, oh my God, so of course, like I used to say yes to everyone's dissertations. Yes. They always wanted to write about yeah. stuff and then I wouldn't be able to do it, yeah. which is why I feel a bit bad that I've been hounding Sarah about this podcast. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's absolutely, I. so I have the same thing. If someone's asked, I feel like I have to. People do, a lot of people think they're the first people to do their dissertation about women in comedy. <laughs> and now, and the other day, it happened to me in the street and I was getting so proud of myself. A man who lives near me, we said hello a couple of times and he said, I've just finished a journalism course. I've decided I'm going to do this my, my, this article that I can kind of show everyone my writing skill and I'm going to do it about women in comedy. And I thought, well, you live near me. I'm just going to ask and put it all there. Can I interview about it? And I, number one, I love a hustler. <laughs> I understand that, again, like, the, yeah. uh, like he was brave to ask. And I'd love to help a neighbour and do an interview. And I said, I, I said, I'll do it. I can't talk about women in comedy. I said, everyone thinks that this is a new thing, but it's all we get asked about. Yeah. And it's really kind of not relevant to my yeah. job. It's like asking about like women in bus driving or yeah. women, women at the post office. It's like, which it doesn't actually, if we do our job in such different ways, it isn't a genre of comedy. Yeah. And he was so sweet about it. And I, I walked away and I was like, fuck, that is so hard, but it's a real advancement because I just would have said yes. Yeah. While resenting it, sitting there going, oh, you think you're the first person to go, well, I think Sarah Silverman's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is hard though. And it's like you want to help everyone, but you can't. And also there's so much fun in that now. I get a real pleasure in like negotiating things and saying mm. like, because it feels so empowering. Yeah. Whereas you're taught, I think, from a quite young age as a, a girl, it's like the most wonderful, empowering thing you can be is to make everyone think that you're the most mm. fabulous. I also think it's the safest place to be yeah. so if we think about like I have to prefer anyone we're all we're all negotiating so, social safety which means never have confrontation yeah and and I think that that isn't necessarily gendered like my boyfriend is terrible of any kind of confrontation and when I say any kind of confrontation it's like yesterday I snapped at him because I ran for a bus and when I turned around he wasn't running and it just made me feel like a twat I just feel like a twat I felt like the bus driver who drove past thought I was a knob and then I was like why did you make me look like a twat like and then and he, he just was knew we weren't and yeah, it was so but I was so rude to him just in that moment that he like still weird with me today because <laughs> he just doesn't want to bring it up because he would call that a row right but it wasn't it was just me going why did you not run for a bus I felt like a twat that is funny people yeah. have different levels of um Confrontation. It's so set by your family. If your family, my my family, speak atrociously to each other, and that's how we communicate. So to be with a boyfriend who's like. They don't. We took, mm. So I did an episode. I don't know if you've read Why We Fall in Love. Uh, no, Love Factually, The Science of How and Why oh, We Fall in Love by Laura Mooka. Okay, I had her on. It's amazing. Yeah. It's all about attachment theory. Yeah. And my boyfriend's from a really securely attached family and they never shout ever. Mm. And my family scream yeah. and like, call exactly each other everything under the sun. And he will be in the car whilst yeah. my mum and dad are arguing. I won't even know they're arguing. I'll yeah. just be looking out the window. And he sat there yeah. like about to, he looks like a dick yeah. because he's never heard it. And yeah. me and my sister will say the most mean things to each other and five seconds later she's like you're wearing that top tonight no yes. do you want to buy it cool yeah. fine and he looks like his head's just spun around yeah. in a circle I love it so that's the thing it's like if your family communicates like that it's like that's how it that's your base level yeah. whereas someone else thinks it's the worst day ever and you're yeah. having a melt you're all having a meltdown and they're like oh that was such a nice dinner and they're like your sister stormed out like oh she always storms out that's what I do but he's yeah. actually really taught me now not to <coughs> Overreact to things, which because he'll very yeah. calmly. I remember I got really annoyed at him once I was hungry, mm. and he just very calmly, calmly kind of went, 
you don't need to shout at me. It's actually fine. And yeah. I was like, oh, f- oh yeah. And it's really yeah. quite, you, it is quite affronting though because yeah. you realise you are a bit of a psycho. My ex-boyfriend used to do that. While I was talking, he'd be like, and he was like, oh, can, you, can, you, can you stop being aggressive? No, he oh, no. he'd say, hands up to defend himself. Just oh, like, no, but I don't know if that's a bit... I know, it, but it, it was fine, because what I realised was, I thought I was saying the words <laughs> to him, and I wasn't. You I was shouting like, I'm and he's like, I'm listening, just less aggressive, less aggressive. That is fine. Yeah. I do, do you think there's anything in, oh no, because I literally could hypothesize mm. anything, but that women have to be like less shouting in the workplace so we let it out in our personal lives? Because men can yeah. kind of get angry in a boardroom in a way a woman yeah. couldn't. It's true. I mean, I don't know. We might be... People probably manage anger. No, just on this hormones book, it's really interesting. What I have found in my relationships is that my hormonal cycle, and this is what the hormone book was confirming which is not to say that this is absolutely true for everyone. Um, but when I'm due on, we take it out on our boyfriends. But the reason is um, we're not pregnant. Oh, so, so are we sad? We're angry with the person who's not impregnating right, us. Right, yeah. And and so there's so this little thing where we kind of push them away, but we do. So I, I've noticed in all my relationships, the first six months are pretty much fine. Five, six, seven months in, I start to, when I'm due on, that's when I'm mean to my boyfriend. Yeah, no, totally. And also, do you track your period? Yeah. Did you see that t- tweet about tracking periods? What? So there's this woman where she uses an app to track her period and she yeah. hadn't logged it and she started yeah. getting all these ads about pregnancy and like yeah. baby clothes and stuff. She was like, that's weird. And then she realised, she went onto her period mm. tracking app and it was like, you're late, you haven't tracked yes. it. So she changed it, yeah. put in that she had a period. All the ads went away. Yeah. And it's obviously these apps are selling your data about. Yeah. And now I'm quite stressed about using but, but, one. But you have to understand that like, that happens with a club card in Tesco. That's been happening for 10 years. Oh, yeah. They know when you're in your period. They know when That's you have so a board. True. So there's stuff that, in terms of data, I think it's really interesting because it's not necessarily always dangerous. Because actually, the flip side of that is her computer knew she was pregnant before she was. Yeah, but that's quite scary as well, though, isn't it? Do you think? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just... I just like robots. Um, I'm not, it doesn't scare me. Yeah. I just go, isn't that interesting? Isn't this a new world that we're living in? I don't think it's necessarily in any way evil. Yeah. Because for me, it so makes sense. This is, and I won't get counted yeah. forever, but this is one thing I always hypothesise and I find it really interesting about this nature-nurture thing mm-hmm. is this fear of, I used to be really scared of AI and robots and things. But actually, I can't remember who said this, but the only way really we're evolving and we're already evolving yeah. now is for us to become either become computers Cyber or... Sapien, yeah. Yeah, and, like, make it a part of us. And I think it is it is better to have that open attitude towards it because but we're what, already attached but to what our about, phones. Okay, so I'm going to hypothesise a future where, obviously, we're kind of killing the planet, so we need a lot less people somehow do, do, doing better things. But the thing with the AI, what if all work... What if The one thing they will never be able to do is art. Yeah. So what if we all end up writing poems in the woods, kind of farming and subsistence, while we are also kind of taken care of logistically... By, by machines. Robots. Oh, that's quite lovely, actually. Yes. So You're I, right. This idea that there's... It's because I've, well, I've never watched one of the, a film where there's an evil robot, but I know that people... I know there's a lot of that stuff. Floating around. Like, I've never really seen a horror film. And, and I've definitely... I just don't really like films. And, um, <laughs> Do you not? <laughs> no, not really. And I've never seen any, like, Star Wars-y kind of film. So I just haven't absorbed anything where... I have anything to fear of computers. Yeah. I think the only yeah. thing I've watched with a scary computer was um, iRobot or whatever the Will Smith yeah, one I've is. Yeah, I've not seen that one. So that is quite creepy. Yeah. But basically, I think also those are silly because the point, I think the point yeah. what they're saying about the future is it's not that we're going to make a robot and it's going to kill us. It's we are going to become the robot most likely like yes. with chips in our brains or yeah. we'll be living in weird yeah. things. Which but it's odd because people have done that to themselves by how they use their phones. Yeah. Like people have chosen to go, my, my memory is now here. I'm yeah. holding it in my hand. Yeah. Um, and again, there might be a rebellion. My friend Ben, who's exceptionally clever, he says that the children now who grow up, they hate phones because they're always, that parents are always on them and 
the camera's always in their face from, oh. from being a baby. Mm. And he said, they will grow up and not want cameras. Yeah, like, They will want to live so in the moment. They'll want their pri- I already yeah. think that privacy thing is coming back in now. I don't mm. know, it's weird. Did you talk about sex robots in the book? No. Because that's always really fascinating. Yeah, really fascinating. Like, but it's really fascinating because um, the idea of robots... I mean, because also, like, there's not really an issue of consent with robots. It's a masturbatory aid, so it's nothing like sex work. But what? Yeah. But if what if the robot looks exactly like a human and you can yeah. program it to always want sex, would that not mess up people's relationship with sex in the, in a way that they might then, their attitude towards sex could yeah. change? I think someone who's aroused by a thing is really separate. But if it really looked like a human, though? I think you know it's not human. But isn't this yeah. exactly like what you were saying about mm. with... Because I think men are more inclined, and obviously there's massive markets, I think, in Asia for sex robots. Yeah. I've watched The ones that they say are very human-like, you absolutely would... If it was sitting next to you on a bus, you wouldn't be like, oh, hi, Mary. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know it's but, not a human. But do you think yeah. that... And this sounds so generalisation, yeah. maybe a bit awful, but men seem to have a lower standard when it comes to sex. And in the one sense, I think you said about in the book, or it might be one of the mm-hmm. episodes, how... There are women who buy sex, but a lot fewer because women are really attracted to the idea that the person they're having Being sex desired, with wants to be yeah, with them, yeah. whereas men are like, I just want the or, sex. Or some, or some men. I think there's different things. I, but, but it's a little bit like with kind of sadomasochism. Um, or, uh, or a kink. Yeah, but there, there are people who get off on the fact that you don't want it. Right. And that, that's, that's a much more male than female thing, which is not to say that's all men who buy sex or no women who buy sex, but that is the enjoyment. The, the thing is, they know you don't want it. So it's that that is the control And that's again. why people also rape sex workers. It's because there's an even further extent. Mm. It's like they're rapists and they're just, they're, they can get you alone in a room with the pretense that they wanted to buy sex. When they didn't, they wanted to assault you. Yeah. Um, um, the thing about being desired, there are some men who absolutely, I mean, who fall in love with their sex workers or believe that they are desired by them. I which mean, brings me back to the yeah. very beginning of my book, which is like the thing that was so confusing when I was a child, is this boyfriend of my mum saying he didn't have to pay because he made her orgasm. Now, that is a delusion on the level of I'm so good at sex and she fancied me. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, But then it also comes back to that as well, like the parts of sex work where there's no sex involved at all and it's mm. just companionship, which yeah, is a huge... Like girlfriend experience. A huge thing as well. Intimacy, yeah. Um, I'm conscious I don't want to run yes, over yeah. your time. Mm. What is there? Do you think there'll be another book coming out? And what's your project for the future? Because I've actually, yeah. lo- I've loved this exploration of yours. Mm. I think it's one of the topics that I find most fascinating. I think more, more of us need to delve into it more because yeah. it's, sex is in our faces so often mm. that we don't sometimes realise how entrapped in it we are, especially mm. when it comes to marriage and stuff. Yeah. And it can be quite a dangerous mistress to not have like yes. unravelled yeah. and go through your life not knowing. So do you think there's more? On this topic, what I'd love to do now is make a documentary in mm. schools. I'd love to go to... This is what I'd love. My 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 dream would be to produce a documentary and I want to produce it myself because I don't... I want to I want to lead the investigation and um, I would love it to be talking to children at different age ranges and to their parents and to the school and I, I want, I'd want some of it to be kind of myth-busting and I'd also want some of it to be looking into the different theories that people who are sex educators are taking into schools and what is the best way and what is confusing and and people reflecting back, even like parents reflecting back, and then dealing with things that are making it difficult. So, for instance, if you've got a school where, um, for certain religious re- reasons, children don't have the same... I'd like to go into all of those areas and then try and look at what we should be doing as a, mm. as a society where we aren't just going, it's teachers' jobs or the government are going to sort this out. That we actually go like, because it is precarious. It's not as easy as just going like, no. just tell kids about porn at 13 and then everyone's... So I'd, I'd love to make a documentary about that. Yeah. Even though I think it would be tricky. And then 
then I think I'd be I'd feel and then maybe what I could do for the second if I did a follow-up one I'd be much more into that the science mm. so then go into kind of labs and the people who are doing the studies about kind of evolution and sperm competition and those kind of things because I do think especially with all these conversations around me too and all these things that happen later on in your life obviously if we'd had better education at schools mm. hopefully you'd hope that that would eradicate some of those later on prevent them I honestly think it's an empathy exercise I think if 14 year old boys or 13 year old boys heard more about how it feels to be I don't know shouted at in the street or um if they were, we were talking about workplace scenarios all those kind of things um I come from like a drama background and the whole point of drama is you make people play opposite characters so they suddenly understand. Yeah. Um, so you play the boss in one scene who's this person going like, oh, you look pretty today, what a lovely blouse and doesn't understand what he's done wrong and then you play the person who people keep mentioning how tight your trousers are. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you feel kind of intimidated or worn down. We could, you could do all those kind of things. I think it's absolutely yeah. fascinating but it's so complicated especially like as you say with porn and things in schools mm-hmm. uh, because that's just another layer of I mean, I remember finding out what sex was from my next-door neighbour who was on a swing and she was a year above me and she just had mm. sex education. She was like, come round. So I went round, she told me, and I was like, no way. That is literally, I was yeah. so, I was like, that's absolutely disgusting. I also think I was like 11, so it was mm. quite old. And then she said that to have twins, you have to put it in your mouth. So for years, I thought a blowjob blow gave you twins. twins. And I literally, all the people at school who were twins, I was like, your mum is rank. <laughs> yeah, have you seen, um, who's special is it? Someone's special's on at the moment. Um, Nikki Glaser. No. So she's an American comic. Her first 15 minutes is about finding out what a blowjob was. And it's so funny. It's so funny. She just deconstructs the logic of what it is. It's so funny. And all the words for it are hilarious as well. Yeah. I always think that's great. Yeah. Amazing. Is there anything else you feel like you wanted to talk about? No. I think we've talked about so much. I feel like I we've, we've opened lots of windows on a computer. Like, oh, and then there's, and then there's pubes, and then there's this, and there's If that. I yeah. went, I could literally talk yeah. to you about six million hours, which I yeah, knew would happen. Same. But thank you so much thank for coming on. Thank you so on. much. And so people can find your book and your podcast by the same name. So yeah. Pound money, and then are you doing any touring or shows or anything? I'll tour next year for a while. Fab. I'm writing. I'm just about to start filming a sitcom for BBC Two. Fab, so amazing. Yeah. that's so exciting. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, and thank, thank you. you for listening, guys. Bye. 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 